On this week's episode of Circles Off, we're joined by fellow sports better Brock Landers, based in New Jersey. We're going to go through the entirety of his sports betting career, how he went from recreational better to a better that's earning a decent living off of betting sports. We'll get into more of that, horse racing, bunch of other topics. This week's episode of Circles Off starts now. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off episode number 103, powered by Pinnacle Sports, right here. Part of the Hammer Betting Network, Rob Pizzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp. What's going on? 103. Number three, who do we got, Rob? Russell Wilson, man. Russ? What, what, what's I can think of what was the promo that he cut that you used to love? Broncos Nation. No, Let's not that. Obviously that one, but there was one where he would call himself like Mr. Oh, Mr. Unlimited. Mr. Mr. Unlimited is the best promo. Mr. <laughs> Unlimited. <laughs> it's His so alter awkward ego. and uncomfortable. Yeah, Russell oh, Wilson. Yeah, that's stupid ass. But you know what it is, what it is. Best of luck to the Broncos. I got um, a good one. Okay. He's actually the previous Leafs captain. Before John Tavares. It's a double Dion. Dion Phaneuf. Dion he was actually the direct preceding captain. Like, we just didn't have a captain for years. Yeah, I actually forgot about I completely <laughs> forgot he existed. He was a captain. Yeah. Th- we made him captain. He was, he was, like, on the team for years. He left the team, and then we just didn't have a captain for, like, at least, was it three or four seasons? No yeah. captain. And then we got then we got. I remember when Tavares. Dion Phaneuf came into the league, he was like amazing. World juniors too. Just like an amazing player. And then I don't know what happened to him, but there's a lot of good number threes in sports. One of my personal favorites, Allen Iverson, cut who actually cut the best. I mean, unintentional promo of all time with like the practice. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that's so good. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, Babe Ruth wore number three. Uh, Jeff Feinberg from the Hammer Betting Network also watches every Circles Off episode, so I have to say Derwin James or else he'll get really upset because that's like his favorite player. And he would he would actually message me on the side and get upset Fair if I enough. didn't message, didn't you know, say Derwin James. We look uh, on our, our TV that we see here of ourselves very, very red today. I Is it the like lighting? It, I hope it's the lighting. I, I, I came back from a fishing trip and I definitely burnt my entire forehead and nose, which uh, was really red. But... Due to allergies. Oh, man. The we'll allergy, spin it off allergy, allergy season. Here. Allergy season has been rough for me this year. Like, super rough so far. But so, so uh, we do have a guest today. We do have a guest. We're going to talk lots of things with our guest today. Uh, lower profile. I don't think that he's done much in, the term, in, in terms of media before. Um, I like to go into these interviews kind of like blind a lot of the times and just really get to know the person. But we're going to talk to Brock Landers uh, about a lot of betting. He's based in New Jersey. But before we do, I do want to remind you, this could not be possible without our sponsors and friends at Pinnacle Sportsbook. Pinnacle is available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what pro bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. You must be 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. And of course, not available to those in the U.S. And I think we're going to get into some topics uh, regarding the, as we do with a lot of pro bettors out there the sharp betting model versus the rec betting model and again one of the advantages to pinnacle for those out there people complain they start to win in the sports betting space they get cut off at sports books they can't bet there anymore their limits are so small pinnacle won't do that to you they're going to take your action no matter what so if you're in ontario you're looking to get down you win at sports betting you never have to worry about getting your action or your limits slashed at pinnacle sportsbook we now welcome in our guest for this week. He is a sports better based in New Jersey, recently quoted in the Washington Post. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. Big baseball nerd. You can follow him on Twitter at Brock Landers 41. Brock Landers steps up and in on Circles Off. How's it going? Going great, guys. Just uh, enjoying another day of uh, betting baseball here. And, uh, you know, looking forward to Memorial Day weekend coming up. That's pretty much, you know, one third of the season down and, uh, you know, weather's getting nicer here in New Jersey, so it's nice to get out there, but uh, everything else going good. Yeah, I see a fellow better uh, part of the Hammer Betting Network, Hitman, is hitting the links uh, pretty much every day now in New Jersey, as I see on the, on the app that we share together. So I'm glad that the weather's better there. For those, uh, you know, that are new to Brock Landers, not familiar with you, uh, give a personal background on yourself and how you got involved in sports betting. Yeah, so I, I pretty much stumbled upon sports betting just, uh, you know, years of playing fantasy sports. Um, 
you know, that was pretty much the only thing you, you kind of were able to do like low key when you were in high school and, and get into early college was I was just in fantasy leagues and it was, you know, join our pick them contest at the end of the year and stuff like that. So you get to a point where, you know, I, I started winning some leagues, you know, consecutively back to back to back and just kind of said like, what can I do now? Like going forward. And, uh, you know, I kind of branched out just, you know, listening, hearing more about how people are betting, you know, using like, uh, I'm trying to think when I got to college, there was like a scent sports app and these kids were like trying to figure out how to make, you know, $2, $3. And then I was like, I'm not good at this. I, I don't know what I'm doing really. So that just kind of like kickstarted everything. And then uh, I, I had a year where like I didn't do well in like a, a pick 'em spread contest, and uh, I started kind of like researching like professional football betting and stuff like that. And somehow that got me onto like the Megapod Gil Alexander stuff. And it's like I just learned a lot of stuff just from that show alone that I used in like those contests and like. I won one or two of those like back to back. And then I was like, I think I should probably start looking into like how to get to the next level and how to be serious about this stuff. And then, uh, you know, asked one friend, do you know where I can get a bookie? And that turned into here's an account. And, you know, that just kind of grew. And then when I found out that like, well, Vegas is the only place you could go to like legally bet that started turning into like, you know, the, the September trips out there. And then I found out about, you know, uh super contest and I think super contest, the first one I entered, that was like the big litmus test for me. It was like, if I think that I'm good enough at, you know, picking spreads and I can kind of finish somewhere in this, you know, top a thousand, I'll be happy and think like, you know, I'm getting somewhere. So when I, I first year I got there, I wanted to say I finished like 130th or something. And I think that was kind of like, I'm on the right track with this stuff, but I'm not fully there. And uh, it just kind of branched off and listening to more podcasts and picking people's brains and coming across people. And a, a lot of it too, just applying, you know, a lot of people hear stuff and they don't practice it. They don't apply it. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to fail. It was always, you know, I was told by a couple of people, be prepared to lose, be prepared to, you know, try things until you figure out what you're doing. And I mean, it took a lot of failing. I mean, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, it took a while to kind of get used to how to get to the next level. And then when legalization hit, it was like everything changed, you know? Yeah, we're going to get into that uh, shortly. So you obviously mentioned Super Contest Weekend. For those that don't know, that's an NFL betting contest. You also mentioned being involved in fantasy sports prior to betting and, uh, just based off of your Twitter bio, I see baseball nerd in there, which is how I introduced you. What are the sports that yeah, you're... Yeah, let me give a, a plug here for Pitching Ninja. Yeah. There you go. Pitching, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't notice the full shirt right there. So there you go, the Pitching Ninja yeah. shirt that he's wearing. Uh, but what sports do you predominantly wager on, Brock? And like, how did that come to be? Was this just the sports that you were big fans of in the, fan of in the first place? Or was it eventually like, these are beatable in the market? Just Just walk us through that. Yeah, so I pretty much started just like any normal person. It was just, you know, oh, I watch a lot of basketball. I think I could bet it. Oh, I watch a lot of football every Sunday. I should be able to bet it. And then you quickly find out that, you know, you can watch as much as you want. You could think you know as much as you want. And, you know, it's just a whole different world out there that people don't get. And until you get your ass kicked a couple times, you kind of realize, hey, um, something that I'm looking at or something that I'm not seeing is not working and, you know, this and that. But for the majority, I mean, my, my, you know, menu options have kind of changed. Um, it was usually just when I was younger and recreational starting out, uh, as just a losing better. It was just whatever was on, whatever season was going on. It was, Hey, I got some time and let me try to, you know, pick a few games and see what happens. And, you know, you go through the ups and downs of constantly, there's some weeks where you win. And then there's some weeks where like, you just keep losing and you're just like, I don't, I don't get it. And then, um, I want to say I read, I read a book, I want to say, or, or an article online, it might have been, and it was saying how like the professional sports are like so hard to beat. And it's like, you should try to focus on like money line sports that you could do like, you know, tennis or golf, or maybe you should try like going into stuff like that. 
But it, it was one of those things where, like, you know, you you want to bet football every Sunday, and it's like that seems like the good place to start, and it's like that's the worst place to start. Like, it's the most, it's like the most efficient thing out there, and it's impossible to beat. And it's like, you know, you you start there, and then you're like so happy that by that time, oh sorry, by that time you get to the, um, you get like midway through the season, and you're like, I can't wait for this to be over, and I just want basketball to start, and then. You know, you go through that and, you know, one thing leads to another. But, you know, right now it's pretty much I go I like to say, like, I start my sports year pretty much with baseball, as weird as that sounds like from April, pretty much right up to like all star breakish is where I'm really just strictly baseball. Like it's every day. It's a grind. It's constantly being into that. And then I'll kind of dabble into like just some stuff before football, like kind of like WNBA for a little bit, just to kind of mess around and a little bit of like summer league NBA, if I could get down, you know, an okay amount of, of action on that, uh, which is difficult. And then um, it's pretty much football. I've really transitioned in like the last couple of years. It, it used to be something that I took seriously, like from Monday through Saturday of just constantly where is this line going? Where do I think it's going to go? And this and that. Now, NFL, I just try to have fun with it. I, I enter those contests out in Vegas now. And I'm like, if I could have a really good season just picking sides, like, and at the end of the year, collect something, like, that's cool with me. Like, I'm, I'm happy with that. And uh, my NFL action at this point is pretty much just like maybe a first half total here and there. Yep. Or I'll play like uh, first touchdowns and stuff like that. Uh, and then from there, I mean, pretty much I transition to college basketball uh, once that starts for a little bit. And I try to do that up until like the conference tournaments. So I'm, I'm pretty ingrained in that. Um, NBA was horrible for me this year, um, which I think a lot of people struggled with. But usually I do try to get some NBA in there because sometimes on a Saturday with, with college basketball, there's just so much going on. And I'm, I'm a one person show. Like I don't have a team. Uh, you know, I'm not working with anybody. So it's like, I can only see what I could see, you know, to a certain point. So I try to, I try to mix it up, but you know, it, it's pretty much whatever's in season. I try to try to stick with the first couple of weeks. I, I find it funny though, that he, he said that, you know, the betting season pretty much begins with baseball for me. Like I consider April 1st or the beginning of April to be my, and then it's like, yeah. And then I get into like the college basketball tournaments, which are obviously in February and leading into March as well. It's pretty much a year round thing. If you're betting that many yeah. sports, I know you consider baseball the bread and butter, but it is, it does seem to be like a year round thing just off topic. And, and we're going to get more into like the handicapping and, and some advice for betters out there as well. But what's the origin of the, the nickname or the alias that you go by Brock Landers? So pretty much it's just an inside joke uh, with a buddy of mine. I mean, we we were out of college and uh, we somehow started talking about movies one night and he was like, you ever seen Boogie Nights? And I was like, absolutely. It's one of the the, the best films out there. And uh, we, we just got a kick out of like the parody films that they, they go through that montage and it's like Brock Landers and Chess Rockwell. And then we went through a period too, like we would call like, late night food places like when we were coming home from the bars to like pick up food and it was like let's just use fake names and we would just go like and rotate names here and there and then one day he like just broke out the chest rockwell and i was like brock landers yeah and then um i told the story i think on 90 degrees but then down the road i had a my normal twitter was just my my real name from college and um, I was applying to jobs and whatnot. And I got into like a pretty extensive background uh, check. And I was like, I don't want to change my my Twitter name now. Like, it makes no sense. But if they're going to look at it, I guess I should try to do something. So I changed it to Brocklanders41. And then that turned into a whole thing where years later, somebody was like, oh, my God, you're the Brocklanders that was on some forum and ripped off a bunch of people and never paid people back and this and that. And I was like, what? There's a guy that was out there that was like that? And then uh, I put the 41 next to it, and uh, I was like, I'll just distinguish myself as I'm a different Brocklanders. But... Oh, tough, tough. That's, yeah, that's uh... a bad, it's a bad break. Yeah. Yeah. Bad break. Yeah. Real so, bad. so Brock, one thing that I think uh, we really wanted to ask you about was your betting style specifically. So, you know, are you originating the games? Are you um, you handicapping them top down? What's your style? I'm top down all the way, and I know I'm going to get like a lot of heat for it because I know a lot of people on the show don't like the steam chasing line grinder guys and and whatnot. But for me, that 
approach works the best because as somebody who is a sports fan, and I mean, a lot of the games have passed me by. When I was in college and high school, I could probably tell you every player, backup guys, this and that. You get older, your priorities change, things change, and it's like I can't name, you know, who some of these guys are anymore in some of these leagues and whatnot. But for me, top-down works because it's like I'm taking out all or any biases that I have pretty much. So it's like if I can just look at the board and read the market properly, good things are going to happen. I mean, again, you could you could handicap as much as you want and you could – you know, try to beat the numbers as much as you want. And you'll go through horrible stretches of where it's just nothing's working and then you rethink everything over. But for me, it, it's top down. And I mean, it's it's pretty much just you see where a line opens, kind of see where it seems to be trending. And, and for me, for whatever reason, baseball, it's like I just have to treat every game as the same. Like I can't I can't go, oh, I'm going to put three percent on this game and one percent on this game. I kind of have to treat everything as one big giant board and I'm just flat betting each game. And I, for me, I think that works because it's like with baseball, you're dealing with a lot of juice. I mean, you're dealing with, if you want to take an under nine and a half, you're, you're laying 120. you know, we know how hard it is to beat 110. So the more that I have of a, of a card with all this different stuff, it's like, it's a grind. I mean, it's, it's, it's not fun. I, I don't like pride myself on playing every, every total or anything like that, but it's like, for me, that works, you know, it's just, you look at a screen long enough and like, I'm not going to just have one bet going out today. You know, it's, you watch the screen and you, you predict where this is going to go and you, you know, you, you watch baseball every day and it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think this total is going to end at, you know, nine. I think it's going to be like eight, eight and a half, something like that. So it's just a, a lot of touch and feel and what's, who's got the best numbers and whatnot. So what's the odd screen you're using? So I pretty much right now I'm using a blend. I mean, I've, I've been paying for Dom Best for two years now. So, I mean, I've been using that, the premium service. And then once Bank Odds came out, I've been using that as well. And I kind of keep that up as well with limits and stuff. So I get my line alerts. But, um, yeah, I use, I use both of them pretty much. So you had mentioned that use the top-down approach, and part of the reasons why is because it it kind of removes your bias on um, on the game or or whatever. Because essentially, you're betting someone else's opinion. Like I, it, it's more than that, but like that's kind of what it boils down to. Now, you're a huge baseball fan. You said you watch the games. You do fantasy baseball stuff like that. Do you ever get into situations where you're like? Ah, fuck like I don't want to I don't want to bet against this pitcher again or like why does the market keep you know moving on this team or fading this team like do, you, do your biases inevitably uh creep in at any point are you able to just like completely keep that out as a fan well uh, uh I'm not embarrassed to say it but like I'm a Marlins fan so when I see the Marlins getting played against or something like that and it's you know a guy like like Sandy or something's on the mound I'll I'll just kind of let's just forget that game you know it's like i'm not gonna sit here and watch it later on at night and be like yeah sandy's getting destroyed but i made money you know oh cool um but yeah it's it's definitely one of those things there's there's some places i just try to avoid like you like you said if i see something that i just don't agree with like you know last night the total was really high in, in colorado obviously they're playing out there and like Eddie Cabrera scares me because he walks a lot of guys. And I was like kind of leaning to the under and I was like, I don't know, this could be a recipe for disaster. And then like, sure enough, everybody pitched the way they were supposed to. And the game came under. And I'm like, Oh, I probably left some money on the board. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. I get it. I mean, uh, I let the fandom get in the way of, of my betting sometime as well to, uh, to a fault. Um, right. It is what it is. I mean, we, we, that's, that's the thing that sucks about being a sports better and a fan at the same time as Sometimes there's going to be some crossover that you don't want. Um, you know, talk to me about Leafs playoff games, for example, and, you know, betting against the Leafs in the playoffs. Just, just don't want to have that happen. Um, but we had Barry Horse on prior to the, fo- prior to the baseball season. Um, if you haven't checked out that interview, check out the interview with Barry Horse. It was great prior to the year. But one thing, he didn't explicitly state it outright, but he did tell us a few times that, or kind of, led us to believe that his edge is probably diminishing and has been for years now. 
Um, how have you noticed that with your own personal betting? Um, and like, how have you managed to continuously have success in baseball betting if that if that's happening? Like I said, I think it's just because I play so many games that it's like I'm not letting one outcome affect. And like a lot of people too, like obviously they make their projections and like they may think a team is is you know vastly underpriced, but there's a, there's 162 games, so it's like you know you you playing uh, Baltimore today and losing a ton of money and you're like oh man my baltimore edge is off and then they rattle off two weeks later a 13 game winning streak and it's like you know you you can't predict this the season and that's why i'm saying like there's so much randomness in baseball like that's for me it works because it's like there's so many games and like if you're just and like the totals aren't aren't going crazy. It's not like, like in basketball where you could wake up and the under is uh you take under two fifteen, And by the time the game closes, it's somehow back to, you know, two, two eighteen, And it went all the way down to two thirteen at one point, like baseball, it's, it's cut and dry. I mean, you, you're going from nine and a half, maybe to eight and a half or seven and a half, maybe up to nine at certain points. So it's like, you just bet enough of the games and like, you're going to take some of the variance out. I think too many people try to just cherry pick with baseball and it's like, yeah, if you're gonna lay minus one eighty on a fo- on a favorite, and that's one of your only plays, you know, you, it's gonna be hard to make that back over time. You know. Yeah, for sure. I I I agree with you. I mean, when you when you do have, we've talked about this many times before, but like when you actually have a lot of edges, you want to be playing as many of those as possible because it does decrease the variance in the long run. But uh, what I'm interested with base. I'm very interested in baseball in general, partly because I used to bet it, had a lot of success, and then I seemingly lost that success over the course of a season, and I really haven't gone back to it since. But this doesn't only apply to baseball. It applies to lots of different sports. There are certain people that bet top-down that just lose faith in a specific market because Mm -hmm. there's obviously volatility with sports betting, but there's times where you'll go through like a month or two months of whether that's chasing steam or getting out ahead of the line moves, good closing line value, and you're not getting results. And I've particularly right. heard that from people who do use the top-down approach for baseball over the past couple seasons of like, uh, I'm not really sure, you know, they, the market makers really know what they're doing anymore in this sport. Don't think that there's much of an edge. Would you agree with that? Did you have any times, I guess, where you've lost faith in the market altogether, where you're just like, these moves are not, paying off i need to like revisit what i'm doing here oh yeah big time yeah uh i want to say october uh ish into like pretty much almost probably till the end of november uh it, it was just like brutal it seemed like everything that i was betting just wasn't working and it was like i was just kind of spinning my my wheels in the mud and i was just kind of like why isn't this working and i'm like you know this has been a, a brutal stretch and then, um, you know, I even reached out to a couple of people that like, you know, closely that I, you know, just talked to on on Twitter. And I was like, I'm not winning right now. Like, it's just nothing's working. And it's like, oh, well, it's still, you know, early in the season and markets may not be efficient and this and that. And, um, you know, you just kind of you keep going at it, but like you lose faith. Like you get to a point where you're like, why am I even betting this if it's, you know, if I just have no confidence in it right now? And then, like, you know, things turn around. College basketball, same thing. Those first couple weeks were, like, horrible. And, like, some people brought up in, like, a Discord, I I feel like, that I saw. And it was, like, you know, is anyone winning right now? Because it's, like, the sides have just been awful. You know? It's just, like, you could be taking plus nine and the game closes at, like, five and it didn't matter. Like, it was just, like, crazy stuff was just happening. And it's, like, you know, you just got to realize that, it ain't perfect. You know, it's not, it's not a perfect uh, way to make money and you're going to go through the, what am I doing? You know, aspect a lot and question a lot of stuff. So when you go through that type of run, do you, do you step back for a few weeks to evaluate? Do you just keep firing through it? I mean, different people have different approaches to this. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess probably maybe your personality traits can contribute to that. Whether you're more of like a risk taker or risk averse person would, would affect you know, what you do in that type of situation. But let's say you like, let's use the October to November example for you where you're losing Mm -hmm. over a prolonged period of time. Do you just keep betting through it? Do you take a step back and like, maybe I'll take a few weeks off and see if things turn here before I get back into it. What was your personal experience like there? 
Yeah. So I think that the first thing is to just kind of, I would, I would, I always ask around. I'm always like, how are you, how are you doing yeah. with, you know, I try to talk to other pro betters and it's always, you know, how are you guys doing, you know, with everything that's gone. But I mean, I think I went back to a, like a great piece of advice that I picked up from a podcast and, you know, I have no problem quoting people or whatever that, you know, I, I use stuff like that in my betting experience and like, I listened back to an interview with uh, Elihu uh, Pusatol, I think that's how you say his name. And his one of the best things he ever said was, you know, nobody went broke betting under their bankroll. So it was like, I should keep firing this, this and this. But I'm like, if it ain't working, let's take it back a little bit. You know, let's let's not bet as much as I was betting and let's go back and maybe bet less games. And maybe let's just try to see until I can start you know, getting somewhere. So it was kind of cut back on how much you were betting for a little bit. And then the other thing is though too, like you said, a lot of it is personality. I mean, you know, there, there was mornings where it was like brutal turning on the computer and looking at my accounts. And I was like, I don't even want to know what happened yesterday. Like it, it looks horrible and you just kind of have to block it out. And you're like, I got to keep fighting. You know um, the other thing is though, too, you get to a point where you start losing money from like your accounts and you're like, when, where did the money go and why am I even doing this anymore? So it's like you, you do kind of have to maybe take a step back and, you know, maybe take one day off and, and say, let me go clear my head and come back to this and maybe things will get better. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's brutal. You you question everything. And, uh, you know, a lot of things I could I could relate to um, as far as getting out of it is. And I, I went through this like I want to say like a month ago before baseball was just starting and uh, basketball was kind of getting in towards the end. Um, you know, just easy, what, when, who, where, why, where are you betting? You know, how much are you betting? Maybe I have a, a, a hole in my game where I'm betting, you know, more than I thought somewhere. Maybe my bet sizing isn't correct. And, oh, I'm trying to bet into one of the sharpest numbers out there. That's why I'm losing, you know, or maybe I'm paying way too much when I could find a better price somewhere else. So it's like you, when you go through those bad stretches, it's like question, who, what, when, where, why, what am I betting on? And it's like, sometimes you'll find little things there where you're like, Oh, I was off here. You know, how much uh, tracking and like analysis are you doing? Excel sheet. I mean, every week put my results in from each book uh, that I bet into and just keep a, a record of that. And has that helped so far? Like has tracking and analysis actually helped your, your betting and like improving and identifying things? Yeah, 100%. And that was the thing. I got to a point where, um, you know, just through legalization, like, you know, you get to the point where you're betting into, you know, places like BetMGM and you're winning and the score was like an app that we had in New Jersey for a little bit. I know you guys are familiar with. Um, and like you get to a point where like you really didn't even need like a, a Dom best. Like you could literally just see that there was just – so much stuff out there that just wasn't moving. And like as a, a rookie, basically better, who's now, you know, making money betting into these legalized books, you then get to the point where it's like, I'm winning really easily. And then once that limiting starts, it's like, why am I not winning anymore? And then when I found like keeping, you know, good records, it was like, well, of course, you know, if, if you, you couldn't take plus nine, cause it wasn't even there. MGM had plus nine, but that wasn't even an option, you know? So it got to a point where it, tracking was a must. And also too, I mean, had to clean up, uh, come tax season, uh, you know, exactly where my numbers fell. And, you know, now I keep very, very accurate records of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and as most people know, like, it's just super helpful to have all your stuff in one spot. Everyone has their own little system. If you're a pro better and, you know, depending on the accounts, you're probably betting everywhere. It's a lot more difficult. But if you're just uh, starting out or in the middle tier, we always recommend using BetStamp as a as a tracker. You can track closing line value, every single thing on it automatically does it. So you won't actually have to go. And Brock, you should try it out as well uh, if you haven't. Um, up next, quick question. This is something where I think... You know, we might have seen you post a bit uh, about in the in the past, but like, you know, how how are you in terms of like futures betting? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I love futures betting. Um, I think it gets sometimes a bad rap from some people. It's always you're locking up your money for a long time and you're betting into a whole percent 
percentage and you know it's really not a good bet to make um but in, in the last like three four years i mean i've had a tremendous success with betting on futures and it's to a point where now it's like i look forward to you know betting futures pretty much because i i kind of keep it separate from my daily stuff so it's like you know I, i've had some really good wins in the last couple of years and you know i don't see a point in stopping you know it, it's part of my game now uh, i mean i was down Atlantic City for the Super Bowl. Everybody was betting the Super Bowl, and I was trying to find MLB award futures to bet that weren't really there yet. So um, you get to the point where futures are definitely a, a big part of my my game, and uh, I think they're they're useful. I think if you keep them separate, um, they can be very beneficial. And I think at the end of the year, it's a nice way to little you know, if you have a good. What's that? I said a nice little boost to the the profitability. Yeah. The oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing when they when they do hit, it's like man, that's that's really nice, you know. You have any uh, advice for any aspiring like baseball betters specifically? It's tough. I, I think a lot of people. There's so much data that's out there that I would say don't get caught up on all of it. You know, like baseball can be a very overwhelming sport with statistics, like the sabermetric stuff that's out there. I mean, there's stuff out there that I don't even really know the actual answers to as far as like what it actually tracks and how efficient of a number it is and this and that. So I do think a lot of people try to go about modeling baseball and stuff and they just they're taking way too much information in and trying to make something out of it. And, you know, like I I you got to respect the market. So it's like if if there's really something that you're stumbling upon that is not factored in at this point, it's pretty crazy. I mean, um and the thing is, I would say, like like I said, as cliche as it sounds, but it's like it's such a long season that you can't you can't take one bad week and go, oh, baseball sucks, I'm done. Like you gotta you gotta stick in there and and just go with it. Like it, it's gonna it's gonna be good at times and it's gonna be bad at times. But I mean that's like everything, you know. Um, I would say just stick to it and just really be immersed in it some people you know they oh there's a thursday baseball game let me bet it today and it's like well if you haven't bet baseball like all week why do you think trying to cherry pick one game on a thursday because you want to bet it and you're out you know like you know you're gonna have an edge or something like that the first point you made i think is a big one with baseball i, I call it paralysis by analysis i think like there's mm -hmm. so many metrics and stats that people use sometimes that like you can make an argument for I mean, this isn't just baseball, really. If you're, if this is the issue I think with like handicappers and handicapping the games. If you ask me with to pick up like any team on the board on a given day, I can make a, an easy argument using statistics right. for any team that's on yeah. the board, right? Um, and there's just so much to deal with in sports. It's kind of like separating what matters from actually what doesn't matter. But that's uh, that's interesting because it's a piece of advice I would give to some people as well. It's like who just overcomplicate things for for no reason whatsoever. Um, I want to talk about the scene in New Jersey, Brock, because you're based there. Um, yeah. How how has regulation in New Jersey over the past few years changed your outlook as a better? So I, I want to say like I'm not going to completely put it down because it, it is it is great to have a lot of apps available and especially to if you're somebody who's gone you know this long with not betting sports before you really weren't sure about how to get involved it's cool that you can legally do it now and really have no you know issues with that and it's very easy to set up an account withdraw deposit you know and very you know the apps are easy to, to navigate but I think the biggest thing is like, you know, you take somebody like me who, like I said, used to make trips to Vegas to bet on football once a year. And it was like, wow, it's so cool. Like it's in our backyard now. Like we can do this whenever we want. And then you get to a point where like you become good enough and you put the time into it. And then you get to this area where it's like, what? I can't bet at MGM anymore. What? Uh, DraftKings wants to send my bet for approval and they'll only approve $25 right now. Oh my God. I can't bet more than, uh, you know, 50 bucks on a first touchdown because this guy is 20 to one and they won't write the bet. And it's like, they, they sell you that dream of like, yeah, yeah. Come play with us. Come play with us. And then if you do get good enough, it's like, no, you're shown the door. So it's like, you know, there's there's good in it and there's bad in it. And it's one of those things that, you know, I, I was somebody who obviously 
was just doing this recreational and for fun, put in the, t- the time hours that it took to figure out how to win and ask all the questions and meet the right people. And then you have all these books at your disposal. And now it's like, you can really only use like maybe three or four that are like, you know, somewhat decent. Now, you were quoted in the same Washington Post article that I was quoted in, and Elihu, and some of the other usual suspects, and I'll read the exact quote they used from you. It's kind of crazy that we thought regulation would clean up all the issues with illegal gambling. It's not like anything has been solved, though. Uh, I'm curious. Do you think that the predominant business model that's being used now by sportsbooks, which is like the recreational model, which you're describing, uh, pandering to... The majority of betters, but mostly losing betters, people who don't show any, you know, signs of winning in the long run. Do you think that that is ever going to change? At least where you are in New Jersey, what do you think the outlook is there? I don't see it changing. Like I don't, and the thing is, like I don't know why it would. Like what, what would possibly change? They like they're they're still running crazy amounts of ads. I mean, you can't go anywhere without seeing a billboard or posted somewhere. Um, come bet. And I mean, I even hear it. I go out on the weekends. I hear people next to me that are betting the game that's on there. So it's like, of course, as long as you still have these people and these young kids that are, you know, eventually of age that can bet and it's, you know, boot the winners out. Oh, this guy has a pulse and can win. Oh, he's out. But hey, we'll take this guy who just deposited, you know, four grand from his bank account. Uh, We'll let him play and his eight game parlays that he puts in every five minutes. So it's like, I just don't see how it could possibly get better. It's only going to, I guess, improve if you make enough noise. But it's like, even that, it's kind of like, oh, the the guys who know how to win, like, you know, they're they're crying that they can't they can't play here. So we don't care. You know, it's like, I really don't know what the answer would be to that. I mean, I, I would hope a place like a circuit gets to New Jersey and stuff like that. But also at the same time, it's like, I really can't see why one day DraftKings is just going to wake up and go, hey, come back and bet with us. You know, we'll take your action again and uh, you'll be back to normal and we'll, we'll go ahead with you, you know? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of bettors who are in a, a living from betting that obviously have an edge at sports and there's a, a sense of frustration when they can't bet into advantageous lines and I completely get it. I'm one of those bettors. There's also the other side of things where sports books are running a business naturally mm-hmm. and they they want to return as much profit as possible so i i do tend to ask this to a lot of betters who complain about it right and i get very different answers i'm not calling you a complainer or anything but i like obviously we share the same mentality that we don't think it's fair necessarily that some people get some limits and others don't but if you were mm-hmm. a sports book operator yourself let's say you're the ceo or president of, of some sports book company you get to make all the decisions would you do right. anything yeah. differently than what a company like you know, DraftKings is doing in the space now um, with, you know, catering to the rec player. Would I do anything differently? Yeah. If, if you were in the position where you could run a book, would would mm-hmm. you would you do anything that's different from what the recreational book models are, are, do, are doing now? I mean, I, I would try to do something to, I think like one of my biggest problems that I have is you, these books put up future prices on on guys to win mvp or awards and stuff like that and at the end of the day you go to bet it and it's like no we'll only let you bet you know 15 dollars on a 40 to one shot so it's like if you're not willing to take a full 40 to one shot wager why make it 40 to one you know it's like let let somebody look at that alone and go hey they're only offering this guy 20 to one and he's like 41 everywhere else That'll just put off a tip to me. Hey, they don't want to take any more, you know, action on this guy, or they're afraid to take more than a hundred dollars on a forty to one shot. So now that the guy's twenty to one, so it's like I would try to do things that are just obvious signs that are like, hey, we really don't want this, so we'll we'll try to take it away. Or everyone always says post limits. Say, hey, you know, this will be a thing where we we'll, we will take at least five hundred dollars from somebody on a side or a total, no matter who they are. You know, if, even if you're flagged as sharp, we'll still we'll still let you do five hundred dollar bets, or we'll let you do two fifty on a on a uh, a prop or something. I, you know, I don't I don't bet props, so I don't know how much that would be, but you know, just one of those things where make some sort of a posted limit that's you know universal for at least everybody at some point. I'm gonna pick up on the last thing that you said there. 
Uh, why why don't you bet props out of curiosity? Uh, just because I'm uh, I'm very weird and difficult when it comes to stuff like that. When I hear people say like, start with the easy stuff, or like, oh, sides and totals are the hardest. Don't don't start there. Like I'm always like, no, let's start there. Like when I started to learn how to play golf, it was always you'll always learn how to hit your driver, learn how to you know, chip and putt basically. Or, or learn how to use your irons. So that's the thing. That's all I worked on was trying to hit, you know, my irons pretty much and putting and chipping. And that's the thing. Now, you know, I probably can't drive as good as I, I probably should, but it's like I spent all that time doing that. So it was one of those things that was like props are going to get you banned. Props are the low-hanging fruit. Props are easy to beat. So it was always like, all right, if that's going to get me kicked out anyway, why would I try to go through that, you know? So it's it's just one of those things that it's just like, I know that they're there and I'm sure I could, you know, easily scoop up some, some easy stuff, but it's like, I'd rather just focus on the, the side and totals. Brock is like the actual complete opposite of Johnny, both from the props perspective and from Johnny, like he's 95% of the shots he's going to practice our driver. Like <laughs> we, we have like a simulator in the, in the bet stamp office and this guy's just hitting the big stick. Like, non-stop <laughs> non-stop yeah listen i'm not i'm not breaking any records on the course so the best value is if i can at least hit a, a like step up to the first tee hit an absolute mm -hmm. bomb down the pipe then at least people think i'm good for at least one shot right <laughs> by yeah. the end either no, way I... by the end they're they're gonna know i'm not good at golf but i can at least maybe fool them for a hole <laughs> Yeah, I mean, nice. it's all, I will, we'll get off the golf conversation in a second, but the first time I golfed with Johnny, he goes, he's a lefty and he'll, he'll go up to the first tee and he's aimed like, he's aimed into the tree line on the right. Like, and, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, man? He's like, trust me. He's like, it's, it's going to come back. And like, not only did it <laughs> that come. That was when I first started. That was when he first started. So he doesn't want to be that guy anymore who's on the first tee that's just like aimed out into the highway on the right. To play the slice. To play the slice. So. Uh, um, correct since corrected that but uh no obviously like it the, the fun i don't know i agree with you what you said in terms of like if you want to actually get good you're eventually gonna have to master the major markets but at, at some mm -hmm. points it's uh i don't know it's not bad to win for sure agreed um what this i think is a really good topic for you brock we haven't talked about it i don't think with uh i'm, I'm trying to remember back other guests but i don't think it's come up in a long time um and that topic is scaling the operation. Um, so mm -hmm. I want to get into the, you, that with you a little bit because um, I don't think it's talked about enough, but lots of people can win in sports betting, right? Um, mm -hmm. For a lot of people, that light bulb will go off. They'll finally start to realize when it's happening. And then in New Jersey or wherever people may bet, be betting in the regulated market, uh, naturally what's going to happen when you're winning is a lot of those outs are going to dry up. So over the course of years, I know I've, I've talked to mutual contacts who know you as well. And one thing that they would uh, pat you on the back for is your ability to, to scale your operation. Walk me through the last few years for you, starting with regulation in New Jersey and, and basically how your betting had to evolve in order for you to continue, keep, keep getting down the amount of money you need to sustain your lifestyle. Yes. So I think that's the hardest thing is you get to a point where you start beating the sports books that are that are legal apps and you get to that point where, well, I can't bet here. I can't bet here. I can't bet here. I could bet a little bit here. There's so many ways to go about it. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is a lot of it just has to do with time. Um, you know, if you have the time and you could start, you know, bearding your action in and stuff like that. Sure. You, that's that's one way to go around all of that. You could, you know, get multiple people who can give you accounts in those places and still keep winning. Um, but I didn't I didn't really go that route just because I didn't have the time to go through what was required. I kind of explored that avenue a little bit. And I was like, you know, I just I don't have the, the time to do this. So I just kind of reached out to people. And, you know, you hear it all the time. It's like you still need to try to find the locals and the, you know, paperhead type places where, you know, you get a login account and you settle up at the end of the week. And, you know, that's still one way to, to get your action down. But it gets to a point, even though with that, too, is like, you know, I have some accounts that I've had for, you know, a couple of years now. And it's, you know, you only have a $5,000 credit limit and you can only bet $250 per game. 
and you can only bet NBA totals from, you know, 10 a.m. to tip off or something like that. Or there's like all these minute rules. So it's like even if you wanted to try to get down, you know, a dime or something like that, you still have to do it through multiple accounts is what I find. Because the other thing is, too, I don't have the technology. I don't have the bots. I don't have enough accounts that I can bet 250 over five accounts and just go, oh, I'm going to take this number from Buckeye or whatever. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you just have to have enough outs that you could keep replenishing. But like I said, like I should probably be betting more than I really should. But also it's like, I don't have the luxury of doing that. You know, like I, I'm not going to go and take a bad number somewhere just because it's available to me. You know, like uh, I have like a, a book that offers, you know, USFL lines and stuff like that. And they're all minus 115 or minus 120 both mm -hmm. ways. And it's like for the $200 that I can get down on that, it's not even worth it. You know, so that's the hardest part is just trying to adapt. And, you know, with that, it gets harder. You know, sometimes you get a, a paperhead account that's almost identical to, to Chris. It's or, you know, it's identical to. Uh, circa it moves within motion so it's like long term i'm not gonna win there you know so it's like what's the point of of trying to even bet there but it's part of the challenge i mean you you want to get better you want to get to the point where you know you could keep betting somewhere so it's you, you try to make the best of it and keep the account going and if they pay and you pay on time it's like you, you're working for each other basically how aggressive are you in finding other outs? Like we've had people tell us like they go to their barber shop and, you know, they're just talk to other people there and get accounts. Um, I mentioned, I think I told this story on the podcast before, but when I was with, with Joey Toons came to Toronto and how he's just, we went to a Blue Jays game and he spent half the time trying to get accounts from people <laughs> at the, at the game. Uh, how aggressive are you with that stuff? And, and like, do people actually just reach out to you separately on Twitter um, for partnerships and stuff like that? I had like uh, one or two people kind of just approach me and sometimes like, you know, your, your bullshit meter, you're kind of just like <laughs> this seems wrong, you know, they're like this, this can't be true or whatever. And, you know, sometimes you get people too. well, well let's take a percentage. And then I look and I'm like, for the $250 I'm able to bet on a side, now I have to split it with you. It's like, you know, what's, what's the point of that? But, um, you know, I've been kind of lucky though. I, I ran into a couple good people that I networked with. And, uh, you know, it was always, hey, if you could get me this account, I'll get you three more of this account. Or, you know, I, I actually had like some random ones out of nowhere where uh, I remember one day back probably like 10 years ago, uh, just bullshitting in between sets at a gym with my buddy. And some guy overheard me and he was like, hey, uh, you looking to get like an account? And like that guy has, you know, still been true and everything is he's still on my accounts that I use. So it's like. You never know where you're going to get one from sometimes. Um, I actually had somebody to reach out like around football season and he was like, hey, this guy asked me if I wanted to bet, but I said, I might know somebody who does. And it's like, you know, some person tells some person and, you know, that's how you kind of get them. But um, yeah, like, you know, I don't know if I'd go to a baseball game though and start asking people around like Joey Toons. Well, he has no shame. We all know that. Uh, <laughs> hashtag feed me. Um, what's your day-to-day -day look like right now? So... We're in baseball season. Um, you mentioned you like to golf a little bit. How how long are you at a computer? Because, I mean, listen, I mean, mo more respect to you if you don't have the technology to, to be able to mass bet at once. So you're doing a bunch of hand betting yourself. Uh, obviously, a little bit more yeah. time consuming. Um, but, you know, what 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 is your what is your week look like? How much is being invested into sports betting? Uh, do you get away? What are the leisure activities? Just walk us a little bit through that. So I, I got a couple other things that I do. I mean, you know, sports betting has pretty much moved now into like, you know, my my second form of income, I would say. So I kind of have a, a luxury of where I kind of run a business as well. So it's one of those things where I can kind of do all the business aspects either the night before or super early in the morning, get that stuff done. And then I'm able to pretty much just multitask while watching the screen. Um, that's pretty much how that goes. But yeah, when baseball is going on, um, it's pretty much one of those things I'll bet in the morning um, or late at night. I'll look at the lines for tomorrow just real quick just to kind of see where things are. And when I wake up, I kind of see if anything has changed. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty much to the point, just morning. Uh, lineups are coming out right now. I'm looking on the screen that things are starting to trickle in. So I'll just, you know, 
kind of relook at my positions some places and see if I need to add more, or maybe I'll bet back a little bit on some stuff that may have changed. But uh, for the most part, yeah, it's, it's a full, um, you know, seven day a week, wake up, bet, you know, look at the screen and, and another week goes by, but yeah, I don't do too much traveling. I mean, a lot of the thing is, you know, running a business, you kind of have to be here too for when things can go wrong and whatnot. So I probably, I probably don't get out as much as I, I probably should with, with the traveling aspect. And, uh, you know, I'm also in that like segment too, where like most of my friends are married, live in other States or this and that. So this, you know, lifestyle of being a, a better, you know, by myself kind of still works out. Are you, uh, do you share publicly what the business is? Do I share what publicly with the businesses? Yeah. You don't have to, if you, yeah, if so, you... yeah, that's all right. So I run a moving company and uh, move furniture and pianos and stuff like that. And uh family business for 40 years. And uh, it's just one of those things we keep going. So might as well keep running it. And uh, I also have a real estate license, but sports gambling has kind of surpassed that for me. I'd rather sit in front of a screen and not worry about people trying to, uh, find the house that they want and go through that prospect and all that type of stuff. So respects, respects on that. Um, question for you here is, well, I mean, I was going to say like as a full-time better, it's sometimes difficult to deal with the, uh, you know, the upswings and the downswings, but it seems like, you know, that's not even a valid question. Cause if you got that base from, you know, whether it be the moving company or something else, it takes a lot of alleviates, definitely a lot of that stress. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm interested. So like, I didn't know this about you going in, in terms of like running your own business, so to speak, but you have two other people you're talking to here that kind of do the same thing and balance that with betting in some capacity as well. And mm-hmm. it gets challenging at times when you have like a bunch of different priorities all at once and like a busier season right. with the business or a busier season with betting. And I've personally found it challenging uh, and i'm just sharing a personal experience of mine but like with time management when it comes to mm-hmm. all running all these things at once right and um i obviously co-own a, a portion of bet stamp we have the hammer betting network i do my own betting i like to you know maintain my own personal sanity and i just go through these you know exhaustive periods i would say at times where, where it's almost like um burnout so to speak and I'm just wondering if you if you don't suffer from this at any point through the year, then like kind of what's the key to it for you? Um, how do you get through the year without going through those types of periods? And if you do suffer from them, how do you deal with them? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's a lot, a lot of it's trial and error. But the other thing is too, like, you know, I've been running the business now for close to 10 years um, from where it was. And, uh, you know, I worked so much through my early twenties and into my thirties. I just actually turned 34 yesterday, but um, it's one of those things that I feel like I did a majority of what needed to be done, like laying the groundwork in some cases for when I was, you know, younger, but now it's not as easy anymore. Like I used to get to a point where like I'd be working constantly from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed, I was, you know, constantly in work mode and how do we get better at this? How do we get better at that? What am I going to do about tomorrow? What am I going to do about next week? And it's stressful. And yeah, there's, there was, I think like a, a period of time where I didn't have a week off or a vacation for like two years, you know? And it was one of those things where then you do get burnt out and that, that sucks. You know, you get to that point where you just want to be thinking about anything else that's not business related, but I just think so much of it, I kind of just learned as I went when I was younger and it was kind of like, hey, you know, you're young now and you have the time and energy to do it. So let's do it now. And, uh, you know, we look back at some of that stuff and it's just like, I don't know how we we got through it. And 10 years go by and it's like, you know, you, you just figure out a, a way to to make it make it happen. And, you know, you, you, you try to keep sane by doing some stuff that you enjoy, you know, to keep your mind off of things. But you know, I don't, I don't think there is no, no real easy way to do it. I mean, it's just, it's trial and error. It's and prepare. The biggest thing is preparation. If you're prepared, you can, you can handle what you need to, to handle and the stressful situations you learn from experience, you know? Understood. Uh, get it. Good answer. Um, we talked a lot about sports betting here, but I noticed recently, um, 
with the Kentucky Derby a few weeks ago, Preakness this past weekend, that you mm-hmm. had been tweeting a bit about horse racing, which I, <laughs> I, you know, I had not seen that from you before. So, I mean, I'm just curious, have you always been a, a horses guy? Was that something where, you know, you went to the racetrack where you were younger or you picked it up as, mm-hmm. as you got older? It's, it's obvious that there's at least some level of interest in horse racing for you. Yeah, so pretty much, uh, I'll say even probably right before even fantasy got into like a, a daily thing in high school and joining leagues and stuff like that, my father took me to the racetrack when I was probably a sophomore, or I want to say in high school. And, you know, he was big into the game and had, you know, jobs where he worked on the track when he was younger before he started his business. And uh, he kind of at that age was like, let me show you how to read a racing form. Let me bring it to the track one night, see if you like it. And uh, he won actually like a decent amount of money. And he wasn't like any type of a crazy gambler where he was constantly at the track or something. It was like one of those things where he was like, ah, I remember training horses around this guy. And, you know, he usually had good horses and I'm just going to bet this. And like he walked out of the track with like 800 bucks. And I thought it was like the coolest thing. I was like, wow, he just won a bunch of money. Like, that's cool. So then uh, it was like, let's go next week and, you know, let's let's learn more. So I would say pretty much up until the time I got to like 20 years old, I was a pretty big horse racing fan. I would go to the track and I thought it was so cool that you could bet when you're 18, which was like uh, a thing in New Jersey where it's I don't know if it's like that everywhere else. But when I was 18, it was like I could finally legally bet and I can go to the track and hang out and read the form and stuff like that. But um yeah, uh, I can I can read a racing form. I, I know the trainers. I know the jocks. Um, it's not as big as it once was for me. Like you know, I still it's more of a, a father son thing. Like like we share that bond of you know horse racing for whatever reason, and uh, you know we still talk about it and whatnot when uh, we can. We try to get to the track a, a day or two here and there to to visit some places. But yeah, and, and Rob, I was actually listening to to what you said uh, on your last episode, and you're like never won a derby like it's so ridiculous and i was in that same boat until this past derby like nice. i had i had match and uh i was like this is the first one i've ever hit and i was like i'll probably never hit another derby in my life you know don't need to yeah don't need yeah. to anymore <laughs> that's it i mean my, my, my horse racing story is pretty much the same as yours i used to go with my father when i was younger and i just like developed a, a liking to a day at the track right. like I, I i i i think just a day at the track is such a fun and great experience. Like, yeah, you know, do it up. I, I do like the buffet in the morning or whatever. I walk my wife down mm-hmm. to like watch the, the, the horses trot out at the beginning and, you know, she could pick the ones that she thinks look the nicest or whatever. Um, and like, I don't know, it's just a great experience. I, I really like it. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, we, we kind of share the exact same thing. Uh, I really random question. Your Twitter profile pic is Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen as Ricky Vaughn <laughs> in Major League. Yeah. Um, where does Major League rank for you at, amongst the greatest baseball movies of all time? Because I think that there's a there there's like some interesting debates out there on like what's the greatest baseball movie of all time. And uh, yeah. I'm pretty opinionated on this stuff as well because I've watched a lot of these. But where, where would you put Major League in that mix? I think Major League's got to be like top five for sure. Like definitely... Definitely top, top five for sure. Um, I could probably make a case too that it's probably top three, maybe. Um, you know, it, it also too it depends on like how how baseball crazy are you getting? Are you going from strictly like a movie standpoint? Are you looking like even to documentary type stuff? Are you looking into like profile biography movies? So I, I'm talking strictly like motion pictures, like movies, no documentaries. Um, you okay. know, the the like. The, the challenge with the baseball movies is you, you have like a movie like Major League, which has like an, a comedy component to it as well. Uh, right. It, and then you have like Moneyball and, and Field of Dreams, yeah. which are just like mm-hmm. the very serious baseball movies. And it's, and it's hard to rank those against one another. But I, I watched Major League probably like 50 times when I was growing up. <laughs> I think it's, it's like for, for, for me, it's, it's definitely top three and arguably the best baseball movie ever. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's it's hard to, and I even like Major League Two is good. Like a lot of people think, like you know, oh, the first I, one. I'm not with you. One. I'm not with you on Major League Two. I'll push back a little bit there. No, okay. I th- it's a little disappointing for me relative to the first, but yeah, yeah, you know, Major, major League more over the topness a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit ridiculous, but you got Bull Where Durham did... as well. Bill Durham was a great movie. A League of Their Own, like what I loved that movie when I was mm-hmm. growing up. But I'm like, I guess I'm partial to the. The ones that came out while I was the Sandlot as well was like another random one back in the day. Sandlot. Guys. I have a crazy. I have a crazy friend who thinks the Sandlot is not a top five baseball movie, and I'm like, you're crazy for thinking that. Like, I, I don't know anyone could not have Sandlot in the top five. It, it, there is there is like a nostalgia thing to Sandlot, where mm-hmm. I watched Sandlot a lot when I was yeah, younger. If you go back and watch all these movies now, they're all complete trash. That's exactly if you what watch I was about them for the say. first time <laughs> now, they're all trash. But yes, yeah, Sandlot was an incredible movie. Yeah, like like Zach put Benchwarmers, our producer oh, the Zach. Be- the Benchwarmers is one of the all-time best movies. <laughs> Gus Bus. Dude, like that that is and we're we're myself and Zach are a little bit more new school, but Clark Ritchie and Gus is the greatest trio in baseball history. Um, uh, <laughs> and Howie when he walks the bases lo- when he walks at the bases loaded, that's the best movie. I'm very curious. Actually, I think this would make for a good debate in the comments here on YouTube. So, uh, rank, give us your your best baseball movie of all time. But if you want, you can rank your top five or whatever. I I'm sure we will get back like a lot of very very different ones because there are a lot of good baseball movies. But to Johnny's point, I think it's all nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you yeah. ask somebody now to watch these movies for the first time, they'd be like, what the heck? Like, how did anyone enjoy this? This is, this is a hot take, but yeah. people, people love those, like, nostalgic shows, like, um, even more recent as, as, like, The Office, How I Met Your Mother, Friends, all those, like, uh, sitcoms. And, like, if you just go watch that for the first time now, a lot of people would have a very, very different opinion of the show. They're like, ah, this doesn't... Yeah. It's not, like, the same sort of, like, addictive show, but... If you watch that growing up, like Friends, for example, I didn't watch it growing up. I don't really care that much for the show right now. It's whatever. I'm not not saying it's bad, not saying it's great, but there's so many people who just will watch every episode on repeat every night. So it's just nostalgia. The, the, the biggest thing for me is like, uh, I, I, I like the original Star Wars movies, right? The originals that were made. But if somebody never watched Star Wars before and watched the first, like episode four, five, and six, the originals that they're made, <laughs> they're like, how the fuck did anyone ever like this was good like this is horrendous and it's like this a nostalgic component to everything we do but i'm glad that you you share the vision on major league i don't share the vision on major league two brock but major league <laughs> we, can, we can agree on there brock you're in new jersey do you use every yeah, sports yeah. book in new jersey all the legal outs i tried to at least try, I at least try to use yeah, I at least try to use the ones. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you too, and I, I have to start branching out into the exchanges because those guys have reached out to me for a couple, you know, months now. Like, you gotta, you gotta check us out. You gotta check us out. And um, the thing is, I'm just so ingrained in like the accounts that I have that are, you know, locals and you know, every seven days meet up and whatever. I've been so just attached to those, and like, you know, I still have money in some of these, you know, legal apps that I just keep there just for the hell of it. But some of them are just like pointless, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's gets to a point where like, you, you know, where you can bet certain things at certain places. And then sometimes, you know, I'll just reach out to somebody and be like, Hey, can you bet this for me somewhere else? I can't, you know? Fair enough. Um, For anyone at home, if you are looking to sign up for any new sports books, New Jersey has a ton. Um, If you're in New Jersey or Colorado, Indiana, Ontario, Arizona, any of the licensed betting states, you can go over to www.betstamp.app slash circles off. Zach will put the link in the description here. We're going to run something special for the next couple weeks. If you go sign up for a sports book, um, send us a screenshot of the process. If you go and signing up, DM it to us on Twitter at circles off HQ. We'll review the DMS. We're going to give out a couple bet stamp hoodies. Um, so if you guys want to go ahead and, and do that, shoot us a note, any sports book that's on there, sign up for it. We'll give you guys a hoodie um, to some of the people we're going to do. We'll probably give out depending on how many we get. Definitely. We got at least 10 hoodies to give out. Do so we still have good, the USC colored ones. Good chances. Uh, the sizing permitted. <laughs> you can pick, you can pick the color style. You've seen me wear most of them on the show. Um, so we've got like the, the gray and purple that I'm wearing right now. We've got black and red. We've got 
red and yellow USC style, the baby, um, blue, blue, and baby white. blue and white's a popular black and Oof. black and blue, um, sizing permitted. So we can't guarantee your size, but, uh, send us some screenshots and we'll see what we can do. Brock, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for the time. We have one final question. It's the same question that we asked to all of our guests here on circles off. Brock Landers, 41. If you could go back five years, talk to a previous version of yourself, what advice would you give him? Yeah, you're talking life advice or you're talking just sports betting advice? Whatever, whatever, what, you, whatever, make it whatever you want. Make it something <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, so I think I would just tell myself that, um, you know, time is so important and time is one of those things that just go so quick quickly and you don't realize it and you get to a point where you just keep you, you build, build these tasks and it's like you just want to get to that that moment and then you realize a whole year has gone by and that turns into five years turns into 10 years and it's like you, you know you lose some relationship type aspect and you know people come and go in your life but it's also one of those things where if you are focused on something and you keep going towards it you know the hard work will pay off and, you know, it's, it's one of the things that comes with, with going down that road of, you know, I'm doing my own thing and things are going to change, but it's one of those things that you'll look back and go, I'm glad that I, I sacrificed the time and the effort to do something to make my life better. And one of those things where, you know, you'll eventually run into people who have the same interests as you, and you'll realize that you're more, uh, you know, in the same boat as as people that you may have never been in the same boat with before. And it's just one of those things that just, you know, time goes quick. I don't know. That, that's the yep. best thing I could say. Sound advice from Brock Landers, who took his name from Boogie Nights. You can follow him on Twitter at Brock Landers 41. Appreciate everyone who tuned into this week's episode and to all the new subs. And if you haven't subbed yet, there's still over 45% of you out there who are watching this episode that have not clicked that subscribe button. If you got all the way through the episode and you're listening to me right now, hit that subscribe button, set notifications for future episodes. We do appreciate it. Allows us to make this content going forwards and for more people to find it. And of course, if you're listening on audio, please rate and review five stars. We got a one-star review last week, Johnny, because some guy was very unhappy with you saying that you can, you can uh, set the dice and throw them and make it land. I'm not exaggerating. Okay. He's like, he one star reviewed. He us? one star reviewed. I, I didn't say that that's a viable strategy. I said scientifically that is possible. And I wouldn't, I don't think like there's many humans that could do it, but scientifically you could manufacture a machine to do that. It's possible. One star review. So wrong. One of the hosts believes in dice setting. That's what <laughs> the review is. No, no, he didn't actually like, I never even remotely said <laughs> that I would do that or could do it or that anyone I know could do it. I didn't, I just said scientifically it would be possible. We need more five-star reviews to offset the oh, one-star review that Johnny guys, fucked us up, with. Please so give me up, some get five some five-stars or Rob's going to cancel me off the podcast. This has been episode number 103 <laughs> of Circles Off. Thank you, Brock Landers, for joining us. We'll catch everyone again next week. 